Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. could be the sound of another occasion to gather together with family and friends and snatch victory from the jaws of tragedy. Or it could be another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 W-Y-S-O. It's a sad and tragic and triumphant occasion that brings us all together today. Another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Dickie Dakota. And gentlemen, before I introduce you, I think we had just better say what the movie is. Oh, it's Brian's song! (laughs) Classic 1971 made-for-TV movie. The first made-for-TV movie being done on this. Is that right? That's yes, the first one. Oh, this real milestone. Probably the for greatest made-for-TV movie ever. Ever. Made. <laughs> it is Brian's song, and it is perfect in every way. We'll find out exactly why. But first, it is my pleasure to welcome to the studio on your radio. Right, he is the storyboard artist to all the beautiful stars, and for the Coen Brothers for more than twenty years in County, he is our film guy. He's Jay Todd Anderson. Welcome, Jay Todd. I'm sorry. This movie is making me cry. <laughs> And on your radio left, also, uh, one of the uh, finest film frame brains ever to walk the planet. He is a nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress and our other awesome film guy, George Williman. (laughs) So we've chosen to take a look at Brian's song, which is funny. I've been uh, catching a lot of cultural references to this uh, this, uh, recently, and it's kind of funny that it should come up now. Uh, Made all these years ago, but uh, perfect in every way. Let's remind everyone that these are not uh, conclusions come to willy-nilly. These are hard and fast rules, and if you would, gentlemen, remind us of these rules. Uh, Brian's song creates the world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, Brian's song retains its meaning and entertainment value. And Brian's song will never be placed in any kind of preferential or numerical order. It is perfect within its own scale. So, gentlemen... um, And that scale, let me tell you, is a trashy, trashy scale. Before we set into it, can you sort of give an overview of why it is that so few, if any other, uh, made-for-TV movies are going to ever make this list? Because of crap. Why is that? Well, they're just, you got to, you know, pretty soon George will give you the blow-by-blow, but I can tell you right now, (laughs) what you want to think about when we're telling you this is that these movies are network time killer filler. Um, They used to play them in the the summers, and they have a movie of the week, so that's what we call them. Right. Um, But they're not gone you can watch uh, Lifetime Networks. They're the same things. They really are. <laughs> well, and some of the pay cable stations are doing their own, their own movies and, and now, too. Most movies are shot in, you know, small uh, small schedules are 30 days. Uh, a lot of good movies get shot in 42 days, and big ones get shot in 90. But made-for-TV movies get shot in 18 glorious, terrifying days. <laughs> 
And you ain't seen nothing till they shoot a made-for-TV movie. Because yeah. I started out in made-for-TV movies, and I had never seen anything like it. And I do not want to go back and watch it again because it's – what happened in the super 60s when they did these movies is they would – the network would get two screenings out of them, CBS, the one that I, that I remember I worked on. And, and what happens is the production would borrow the money to make these movies in exchange for free – two screenings for CBS and then they would send it overseas and you could watch it in theaters. And how they did this was they'd get an old star, like in the movie I was in, Thompson's Last Run, it was Robert Mitchum. And Wilford Brimley was the throwaway star. And then they have oh. an up-and-coming young girl, you know, an ingenue. And, and it was always an old star, Barbara Stanwyck or somebody like that. And then they'd send them overseas and people would watch them in theaters based on the star power. Mm. Now this movie here is a little bit in the other direction because Brian, the guy that's playing Brian Pickles, Piccolo is no one other than James Caan. And the other star. Is Billy D. Williams. He plays Gail Lando Sears. Calrissian. And after this movie, you know, the layman here was Jack Warden who had done, I don't know. He, hundreds of things already. I mean, he goes way back in the way back. 50s. But this movie was so powerful when it came out that this really set a new level that made-for-TV movies have never <laughs> reached So it then. sort of almost stumbled into greatness <laughs> yeah. and well, really broke the mold. And the other thing to think about is at the time this came out in 1971, there was no videotape for home. Right. There, was, there really wasn't much. I think they were just starting things like cable TV. So if you wanted visual entertainment, you had basically two choices. Well, you had three choices. You could go to the movies, you could watch television, or you could spy on your neighbors. <laughs> so I mean, the third one was a little more Beatles songs and stuff. <laughs> the like third that. one was a little too dangerous for some yeah. people, and you know, but TV uh, was free, and and you know, so yeah, the the TV movie kind of became like the processed cheese food of television. <laughs> you could grind them out, and, and what are people going to do? They're free. Yeah, they were free. They're free. You can right. stay in a foil pouch. You dump them in the water, stir them yeah, up. Boy, they were <laughs> three minutes, they're fine. Before we go any further, George Willeman, will you reach into the recesses of your frame brain and tell us the action of this very syrupy, sad story? Right. Well, basically, Brian's song is based on a book by Gail Sayers, football player. Um, and it is about the friendship between Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo when they both began uh, as first-year players for the Chicago Bears. And at the time that they joined the team, which I believe was about 1965, um, it was still the beginning of um, – beginning of the end for segregation. And so you have this relationship between a black man and a white man. And how, you know, it starts with them picking at each other and they slowly, their friendship begins to build and build. And they're playing, you know, they're playing the game. They're working out their differences. And Sayers gets hurt and Piccolo helps him overcome this. But then Piccolo gets sick and then Sayers has to turn around and sort of come see, come saw. And I won't say any more than that. But basically it is the whole story is this really great friendship between two men. So we're not going to say no, the, the big tear-jerking part oh, of no. the movie. Oh, well, okay. if you don't know by now, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, your grandparents have surely told you don't get attached to Piccolo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, you can take that for what it is. So it, um... and, and, you know, George was very succinct in telling you about That's about all there is, too. Yeah. You'll see the little fade outs for commercials every eight minutes, oh. you know, and it'll just, and then they pounded this thing. I don't think it's more than 65 minutes long. And yeah. uh, here's, here's the secret weapon in this movie. Oh, oh, I hear it. I hear it again. <laughs> what, what is that noise? Could it be? Oh, we're floating in the studio. Oh. Now we're doing this just to irritate our listeners so that you'll have this in your head for the rest <laughs> of your it day. It does stick. It does stick. And, and, it, and this was kind of a coup for the production company. They got Michel Legrand, the famous French uh, composer, to write this. And he had written a lot of great slushy music throughout the 60s and 70s. So... So they really several things uh, conspired to uh, to come to together at the same time. These mm-hmm. two stars, this great soundtrack. Well, there's a lot of white people feeling really guilty about the way they treated people, and this movie came along just in time because it's about football. And if you have noticed the ratings in television, there's one one single rating that dominates all the time, and it's for all audiences. You know, no matter what the color they are, and it's NFL football. <laughs> Nothing else manages the top NFL. And it's for everybody. But this was just when um, there was a lot of great black athletes coming into the NFL. And there was Jim Brown. And then Gail Sayers came out of nowhere. And just his statistics were phenomenal. And But he didn't last long because he was hurt. But if I do remember watching him. He was pretty sensational. But then this movie came along. And they say, who is Brian Piccolo? And and all of a sudden there was a legend. You know, Gail Sayers will never go away, and neither will Brian Piccolo because of this movie. We're talking about the 1971 perfect made-for-TV film, Brian's Song, set in 1965 at uh, really a critical social time for this country. It's worth noting, don't you think, that they dropped the N-word, I counted three times, in this uh, movie. And this was broadcast. Yes. On television. And the the nature of that word has changed. But I'll tell you what, it's been, it was done in incredibly good taste oh it was because these guys loved each other they did and they were doing it because they loved each other and there was no no vocif- vocif- there was no meaningness no, to it. not it was one not bit in any way shape or form yeah uh you know just before we play our first b-roll yeah. george and i are going to just tell you how phenomenal this film was yeah. and what kind of impact and crater it left in the universe of entertainment. So we're going to kind of read some of the awards it had. Uh, it had an America Cinema Editor's USA Award. Uh, they called those an Eddie. Eddie. It was nominated in 1972. Right. And it, it had the Killer Award. Woo. It uh, won the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement. And it got an Emmy Award, Outstanding got, Achievement in Cinematography for Entertainment Programming. Actually got five Emmy Awards. Five of those. Wow. Five of those. The, the, this, this movie knew how to rack them up, man. And, uh, uh, and Outstanding got, Achievement in Film Sound Editing. That was a nomination. Yeah, it also got – it won five, and then it was nominated for, I think, another five or six. And then it also um, – it won a Peabody Award, which is a, another big broadcasting award. I thought that was for journalism. Um, I think a lot of it is the the uh, the writer. I think oh, it was the writer got oh, a see. Peabody Award, and wow. it got the outstanding directorial achievement in drama by this amazing director named Buzz Kulick, who did, of course, the director. Outstanding single performance by an actor in a leading role, James Caan, whose next role was Sonny in The Godfather. Wow! And not long after that was uh, Billy Dee Williams in Star Wars, right? Well, it was, uh, well, it was seven, four 17. or five years down the road. But this set him. It set his career. Uh, got a Golden Globe. 
Best Made for TV Movie. Nominated. Wow. Yeah. Uh, PGA Award. That's not golf. That's not golf. <laughs> That's a producer. This is football. Yeah. yeah. Um, TV Land Awards. That's right. my favorite. The most important thing, it got the 2006 TV Land Award for Blockbuster Movie of the Week. <laughs> Pretty cool. 2006. Imagine this it. This movie lives. And it listen, breathes. There's a syrupiness to it, but still, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, prevent... Full engagement. That's what it's makes really... it so perfect. Yeah. It is so sappy. Yeah. And everybody talks about one thing in this movie, crying their eyes out. <laughs> right. and, and we have, I remember when we were kids, we dare you to watch that movie and not cry. We dare you. <laughs> You'd have to be a robot and not cry. Well, I think part of the beauty of it, and, and it's it's the it's the, the relationship between uh, Billy D. Williams and... James Kahn and their characters uh, that you do believe that. I mean, they they work so well together. And they are dedicated to each other's achievement and success. Uh, and that you you know it's coming. It's just coming. You know that something's going to happen. And they give him the game ball and everything, but that mm. ain't going to stop it. And the game ball does not stop it. And they do it in the locker room too, where they're all surrounded by him. This stuff is so corny, but I dare any of you to watch this movie and not watch it. You can't do I it. I teared up. Should so we... they have an occasion where um, early on it's pointed out, like you know, straight yeah. up. Here's well, the this deal. Was, this was the other thing that's interesting about this film. It does deal with the sort of the 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 black and white issues of the time. And there is a great scene near the beginning where uh, the coach, played by James uh, Jack Warden, excuse me, uh, brings a, a heavyweight in his own. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's huge. Everyone, yeah. one of the great character actors of all time. Yeah, um, has Gail Sayers come in and is going to, has to tell him something, and Sayers is terrified that they're going to reduce him, throw him out, do something awful to him. And here's that scene. Is that this is 1965, and we'd like the Bears to room together according to position, without any regard to race. So we'd like you and Brian Piccolo to room together. That's all? That's what this is about? Is that all? Yeah, I, you had me worried. I thought it was something really. This is, this is something really. Man, you're talking about a white man and a black man rooming together on a team that's never been done before. And you're going to be calling a Tom by some blacks and an uppity nigger by some whites. And when we go on the road, man, I'm talking about we going to Atlanta, Houston, Miami, New Orleans. It ain't going to be no better than Detroit or Minnesota or San Francisco or any other town we play in. You're going to rock the boat, says, and the people out there that's already seasick. What J.C. is saying is that there may be some pressures, severe ones. Now, what do you say? Now, J.C. is not Jesus Christ or anything here. This is David Huddleston, the mm. big Lebowski. Okay? <laughs> and the other voice the other voice you heard was Bernie Casey. Yes. Uh, great actor. I remember seeing actor. him in a lot of things. He, he, that yeah. man is an Iron Man of acting. He's done... And Shelley Fabrese, although you don't hear her, she was really famous. She was the ingenue, the up and coming. And that's what they put in there to catch a lot of TV audience. She was the star she power. She plays Piccolo's she wasn't in it, wife. Yeah, wife. But she wasn't in it very much. And they used her for... The, the TV star power that they needed at the time. Well, and the other thing, the one thing that really got me watching this again is, and this I kind of wrap, I didn't, uh, give the credit to Buzz Kulik, the director, is the work that he did on this, as low budget as they had to work with being a TV movie, was that he took actual game footage of the actual Sayers and Piccolo and then shot new footage like on the sidelines, and they actually consistently thought about the look of that and, and whether they used a game camera or what 
to match the look of the actual game footage and the new footage that was shot. Now, when they're off the field, the film has a totally yes, different look different to tone. it. different tone. All different tone. Now, it's funny because I noticed mind, that. Keep in mind what George is talking about is otherwise known as NFL films, the old NFL films. That's what they were trying to capture. Right. And and ch- they've changed a lot. Back in those days, NFL films were very, very popular because you'd see all the games on the weekend. And that's what he was trying Meaning to match. Meaning that that's how people actually saw them on television as film? Well, NFL started their film company right when they started the week. And, and what they did is they shot film coverage of all the games. And on Saturdays, you got to watch NFL films all over the country, they'd syndicate it. But what he did, Buzz Kulik matched that stuff right. with they, the movie. And you'll see there's actually credit it's at the well end done. to NFL films. And NFL films, I didn't realize this until they brought us some nitrate football films. They have a huge, monstrous archive going way, way, way back. All on 16-millimeter film. And 35 also. They shot a lot of 35, too. So here is Kulik. You know, they got the, the game films, and then his cameraman – goes in and is able to match the look of these game films. They shot those NFL films with this Airy SR2, which was designed with a real lightweight film camera. It was 16 millimeter, and uh, that's what you see them on the sidelines. And I swear I saw them last year. They're still using Film. 16-millimeter film. Uh, most of that stuff was real cheap, and that's what the really nice stuff was on 35, like George was saying. But the 16-millimeter was what the NFL films used as their library. Like he said, they had, they started from the beginning of, like, 1955, NFL films, something like that. It's a that. whole different feel, and I, I put it in my notes as I was watching it. I like the natural feel of that, and I even like it better than how you see football today. Where I, Is it the digital? It makes it, – it's, it's almost too crisp. Everything's in focus. You, you got yeah, the guy. I mean, actually, looking at football games now on digital, yeah, it's so clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks great. Well, they, it doesn't but, look like the old but football games. But there's a warmth like, yes, there's to a, this They somehow. didn't shoot at 24. I think they shot – they uh, undercrank those cameras, so they're a little slower. Um, now, I, one thing I would like to throw in here, talking about the cinematographer, I knew there was something I wanted to mention here. The cinematographer of this movie is a gentleman named Joseph Birock, great Hollywood cinematographer. And everybody has seen his work, although they may not know his name, because I'll just give you uh, two films that he was cinematographer on, Airplane and Blazing Saddles. <laughs> um, this guy worked, when he nice. did this film, he was in his... He was close to 70 when he did Brian's song. So the really an ace team put together on this. And again, I'll remind you, this is Brian's song, the 1971 made-for-TV movie. They they had really just a, a full stable. Everyone was really top quality. But here's the thing that drove the movie was the music. They did at least six to seven variations on that music. It was in a minor key. Is it a monochromatic key? You name it. Oh, there it is again. Oh, wait, they do that to me. <laughs> okay, all right. It's okay. Stop it! Stop it! So now, those of you, you keep your eyes on the road, driving that car, getting out of church, have a good cry for us. You know. If you have to, just pull over to the side for a minute. It'll be all right. So remind us who, who wrote the uh, soundtrack again. Michelle Legrand, mm-hmm. and they that that music became so popular that this it drove this movie into theaters. They took the made for TV movie and they opened it in theaters without too much success. But for um, 
a, a little made-for-TV movie to kind of bust out of its little box and hit the theaters is saying something. I mean, yeah. ABC was patting themselves on the back so hard their shoulder blades were bruised, you know? <laughs> I think it was ABC. What was that network? Um, I um, do not recall. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what the network is, but whoever they are, they were pretty darn proud of themselves because that drug down the ratings, man. And every time they put it on television, drug. And then they try to remake it. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny. And I, I thought about that. What is it that compels us, you know, so often really great movies that don't need to be revisited are remade? I... It's like everybody thinks they can tell the story yeah, they better. Well, they always think they can tell the story better. But, but the problem is, I think, this this film was so much of its time. Oh, yeah. This defies because, a remake. Can't happen. Uh, you know, the, the, the team was in 1965. This is 1971. It's only a few years later. Everyone who was an adult at that time knew this knew of these guys knew the story so it really resonated with them they did it in 2001 and it's just another mockish story yeah. plus the whole attitude the whole attitude of relationships uh, how how relationships between two men are portrayed in film has changed a lot. Well, a lot it's just the fact that the N-word was used openly then, and you wouldn't even think of doing that now. There's just no, even uh, a tiny little slice of how different. There's quite a few things. You know, because it was such a movie of its time, they were able to use every cheap trick in the book. Like, patient Patty dies. And he's, <laughs> clear the room so I can sign patient Patty's football. Yeah, oh no, the little girl. Patty died. Well, see, that's an old thing they used since the 30s. Oh. We waited just a few minutes too long, didn't we? If I'd have gotten there sooner, I could That's have signed right. and, and had the— And then the... they had the classic Girl Scout cookie kind of stack where you see them running in profile. And they have that— Oh, there's in that slow music. motion. Is that that music and that's, again? Yeah. And, oh. In slow motion. In slow motion. They're there. They're running together. And they are pals. These guys love each other. They're tight. They're tight. And you can see them running in slow motion together in profile, you know. And, and, and it's Brian Saul. Hey, and this is song. so, this is nearly the perfect sad, sappy soundtrack, isn't it? <laughs> How can you not like this soundtrack? You're going to hate us, of course, <laughs> after you hear this show, because it's going to be in your head until For the next you go to week. sleep. <laughs> we're in here, humming it. <laughs> this is Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYS, and we're talking about the 1971 made-for-TV movie, Brian's Song. And, um... It, again, I think it's very interesting. I, I fully agree that it satisfies the rules, despite the fact that it is so syrupy. Mm-hmm. You would think that that would, like, cause a disconnect. but It's, it's, a, it's, it's an escape, man. <laughs> it's an escape, but it's I think it's, it's, it's a good story told honestly. Yes. Now, and that, it's true. that's and a great point. Yeah, it is told honestly. It's a true story, but, and, you know, there's no Papa Bear house. He wasn't the coach then. We don't care about that. Right. You know? But it is a true story. Those guys had a relationship, and they played for the Chicago Bears. And I, and I, and I saw in the credits that the, the Chicago Bears uh, coaches, players, and staff were in it. They yeah. played Buckus themselves. Is in it. And Buckus. Oh, is, right? is in there, and uh, I believe they actually shot it at the, uh, the place where they did do the spring training camp, I think. Yeah, and if you, it's a wonderful comparison for how things are now because NFL is big bucks now. And you look at it, it looks like high school, you know, where they train. They lay, <laughs> and they room yeah. together. They room together. Ooh, that wouldn't know. happen now. No, just wouldn't, the Beatles would roomed together. You know, John roomed with Ringo, you know. But, I mean, no, nobody, everybody has to have their own room now. Right. Um, what was, there's a very inspiring speech yeah, we have. Don't we? This is one last little piece here. This is at a big awards banquet near the end of the film, and um, something Gail, has happened. Gail, something is <laughs> something bad has happened, and, and Gail Sayers is given this George F. Hallis Award, and he steps up to the mic and he makes this little. Uh, Brian's sick right about now, I think. Very sick. 
Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive the George S. Hallis Award. He's mine tonight. And Brian Piccolo is tomorrow. I love Brian Piccolo. And I'd like all of you to love him too. And tonight, you hit your knees. Please ask God to love him. It's just good through and through. Let's take a moment to review the world, the rules for oh. Brian's song, the made-for-TV movie. And it does. It it creates the world. And it it's a does. simpler time. but It it's, is a simpler time. You just step right, right that, in. That's the thing that's beautiful about it is that, you know, it was only six years away from, from when it took place, when it was shot. But now it's like a time capsule of that era. You look at the cars. You look at the way people dress. One of the reasons it is because they had to make these things so quickly. And, you know, in 18 days, they just – there's no crane shots, no nothing. It's mm. all on sticks. You can tell. They just go occasionally – Sticks means of, tripod, right? Yeah, tripod. Yeah. There's a bunch of zooms in this. Let me tell you, there is a bunch of zooms because that's how <laughs> they can get fast. Yeah. And also one of the cool things is Darren Stevens' house is in here. That's yeah, that's right. what you said. And I, I meant to like, intentionally look for it, but the, they used the same set, same set as right. Bewitched. These guys were – They redressed it. Redressed yeah, it. They redressed it. And to this day, <laughs> that – is one of the most popular places for people to go in Hollywood is at the Burbank Ranch. It doesn't exist on the inside, but people want to go in there and see Darren Stevens' house for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but guess what? You get to see the inside of it again on here on this show. I love you know, that. Recycling. Movie. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sustains it. There's no question about it. Um, I'm, I'm with it, even through the sappiness, even through the little girl dying before he could sign the ball for her. Yeah. Patient uh, just, Patty, she died. Patient Patty. Oh, in, right. and, uh, and certainly it's retained its, uh, its entertainment value because think about it. We're 40 Plus years right out. Well, and also, I mean, as far as retaining its meaning, it's oh. about it's about friendship and the importance of supporting each other. That's right. And that's what it comes down to in the end. And these guys were great football players. It is time for the end of another filmically perfect. Hey, we're back, man. We're back. <laughs> we are back. And we came armed with a made-for-TV movie that's so dangerous you will ball your eyes out. Right. Consider Shameless all of these entertainment. Things. That's what we're all about. If you agree with this movie, or if you don't, please contact us. You can contact the Film Guys. It's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Again, that's filmguys at perfectmovie.net for email. We're on Facebook now. Lots right. of outlets, yeah. lots of spigots to make the connection. And we want to thank everybody. Who's been so patient waiting for us to return because yeah. we've been very busy and we apologize. We're sorry. We've been so but busy. All those really nice letters you sent wondering if we're still all <laughs> doing this. We really we appreciate are. that. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this. It is the storyboard artist for the Cohen Brothers and our favorite film guy. He is J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, thank you. It's always my pleasure, Nikki's secret decoder. Also, right. Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress and our favorite film guy. He's George Williman. George, good to see you. I love Brian Pickett. Thanks for Stop. being here. Don't, don't, don't Stay tuned. Catch us at npr.org. We're on iTunes. 
and we're at wyso.org. Guys, this song makes me great. Great. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.